0: to growl for lunch, but I, I wanted to just share from, from a pastoral perspective why we do missions work the way that we do, and, and I've just entitled today, today's sermon, In Praise of World Missions, in praise of the idea that we can have an impact in this world. As I mentioned, Victory Life is going to be 34 next year, and I was sitting on my back patio constructing this sermon. I, I, was, I was off this week, my paternity leave, but I was sitting, I was sitting on my back patio constructing the sermon, and I thought... In 34 years, I can count over 20 short-term missions trips that this church has taken. That, that's, that's groups of people. Now, individuals, if we were to count individuals from this church who had gone out on their own, we, we would be in the hundreds. That, that's incredible for a church of our size and a church of our, our history. At present, we give over $30,000 a year of our general fund to support short-term missions or long-term missions. Uh, we, we, as a church, two falls ago, bought... Half of that church that that we saw today, we bought that. Uh, As Bill mentioned, we laid the foundation for that church, literally, by hand. Uh, And and you you sometimes wonder when you're doing missions work, what's the return on investment? What's the ROI? Are, Are we just sowing seed to sow seed? Are we just doing it to pat ourselves on the back? And the answer is absolutely not. The time, the money, the talent, and the effort will only be seen in full when we stand before the Lord. That, that's, when it, that's when we get to see all of it. The cool thing about La Fuente and the Jalisco Church, and they've changed their name to Heart for Mexico, and we'll, we'll explain that a, at another time, but the, the, the cool thing about them is we get to see the return on investment. You know, We get to see a church that once had no people with lots of people, and then they plant another church even though they don't have two nickels to rub together. <laughs> It's amazing what, what, what God can do in the world. And we need to remind ourselves, we need to have days like this when we remind ourselves why we would invest in world missions. I, I hear people say all the time, well, there's a plenty to do here. You bet there's plenty to do here. Why would we invest that time, money, effort? Why would we invest the talent to go overseas, to go around the world? And, and candidly, it doesn't grow our own church. There, there's no more people sitting here today because we've been invested in missions necessarily, unless they were looking for a church that was more invested in missions. But we will see one day when we stand before the Lord the effect of the 34 years that we've had together. We will see men and women who we have never heard their names and know nothing of their stories talk about how unless Victory Life had existed, there would have been no one to point them to Jesus, and their story would not have been rewritten Jesus gave us the call, and you heard it today from Matthew chapter 28. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, Jesus said in verse 18. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. The last words of Jesus in the book of Matthew. The last words of Jesus in the book of Luke Acts is in Acts 1.8 where Jesus says to his disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, it's amazing to me that Jesus makes both of those statements, that you'll go to all nations and that you'll go to the ends of the earth when he is standing there with maybe a couple of dozen followers in Israel. A couple of dozen followers there in Israel. Yet Jesus has the audacity to claim that they will go to the ends of the earth proclaiming his name and I want to just focus on one thing this morning and one thing alone in, in five or six minutes that we have together, and it's this, that the Great Commission does not start with the word go. It doesn't. The Great Commission starts in a verse earlier, and where it says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's where the Great Commission begins. You say, what's the implication of that? Jesus is standing there with a couple dozen followers and says, I am the risen authority, the Lord of all. That would seem a bombastic statement. With a few dozen followers, he says, I am the Lord, the King, the authority over all the earth. Therefore... In light of the fact that I am the boss, that I am the Lord, that at my name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, on that principle, I want you to go out into the world and make disciples. Because Christ is the beginning and the end of the story of the humanity. He is our cause, our meaning, our redeemer, our savior, and ultimately he will be our judge. He is it. He is not equal among the other gods. He is not God with a small g. Christ is the authority of all the earth, and people must know who he is and what he has done and what he can do in their lives. And when, when the end comes, when, when time is no more, Jesus has this interesting inclusio. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and lo, I am with you till the end of this whole world. That all authority has been given to me, but this thing is coming to a close one day. In the intervening time, go and make disciples. I'm the boss, and I'm the judge. Make people who follow me in the time that remains to you. Because at the end of every human being's story will stand the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of every single story, Jesus reigns. He is Lord, and his name must be proclaimed on the earth. Jesus Christ is the unmitigated, unmatched, unequivocal Lord of all. And when we do missions work, it's a sign that we believe that that is the case. It's a sign that we actually believe that he is Lord of all. The church is not just about us and what it can gain us. The church is not just about what the church can do for us and in us and and with us. The church is really about the opportunity to go into all the world proclaiming the name of the risen Savior. I recently read about two couples who in their mid-20s decided that they would go to an unreached people group in the country of Peru. And they said, you know what the biggest sacrifice has been? They said it was not the language barrier. It was not the culture barrier. It was not having to pick up and move. It was not having to make all new friends. And They said the hardest thing for us was when we had kids. And we couldn't hop in the car, strap them into their seat, and take them to grandma and grandpa's house. They said that was so tough. And that was right at the end of the article. They said that's what really got us. That's what made us think, do we really want to do this? And they said, and then we remembered why we were there, that we wanted to see the kingdom of God come on earth among this people group. We wanted to see the reign of Christ come among these people. And that is so much better than a visit to grandma and grandpa's house. Oh, that strikes at my heart, Pastor Matt. I can't think of anything better in the world than spending time with my grandkids. I can think of something better when a lost and a dying soul finds their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the greatest experience that the human can have, is to help lead another human being to Jesus. That's it. That's the top of the line. And thank God for Skype and airplanes. <laughs> because many years ago, if you did global missions, that was it. You might never see your family for uh, five years or ten years again. See, the good news of Jesus Christ must be coupled with his authority. Because otherwise, the good news is just something that we can share if and when we desire to. But if Christ is truly Lord of all, the good news must be coupled with the idea that we must share about the risen Savior. That he is the Lord of all. That he's not just an option or a way to come to peace with God. That he is the only option and the way to come to peace with God. And that wherever his reign is tried, his reign becomes supreme. We have to have a trust that when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, that he meant it and it works. That anywhere that you try the name of Jesus, anywhere that you speak the name of Jesus, anywhere where you desire the kingdom of God to come on earth, and you invest in that ministry, in that work, that it will work, that people will get saved, that people will bow the knee to Jesus Christ, and you will have an, a massive effect in the world. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that that, 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 that if we were to choose a people group among us today and say this is an unreached people group and we will spend the next 20 years as victory life and it's the only thing that we're going to do, we're going to reach this people group together, it's what we're going to invest in and send people to, that there would be souls saved because the authority of Jesus wins out every time. Jesus had the audacity to say all nations in the uttermost parts of the earth? That sounds crazy, except for the fact that we're only 5,979 miles from the place that that was spoken. That's it. We are only 6,000 miles, rounding up a tad, from the place that that was spoken. Today because someone believed in the authority of Jesus Christ and that they would go and make the sacrifice of bringing his name to somebody else who'd never heard it, that person would bow the knee to the Lord Jesus. And they have, and they did, and here you sit. I wanted to know if Jesus' claim was completely true, so I googled, thank God for the internet, I googled, I would have hated to go to the library for this, what is the farthest city from Jerusalem in all the world? I came up with Taranga, New Zealand, 16,415 miles from Jerusalem, and then I googled churches in Taranga. There they were. Jesus wasn't making some outrageous claim, was he? It has gone to the ends of the earth, and the only reason that the Lord Jesus tarries today in heaven and has not returned is because there are still unreached people groups for us to reach. There are still people who need to hear the name of Jesus Christ, and there are still people who need to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we have this mission in the world. Where Jesus is witness to, there he becomes Lord. It's not always easy. It sometimes even results in the death of peaceful Christian martyrs. But wherever the name of Jesus is witnessed to, the name of Jesus will become Lord in the hearts of those who choose him. That's what will happen. Over and over again, we have seen through history, churches and groups sending out missionaries and some of the initial wave are martyrs, but the second wave makes converts, and in the third waves, there's mass conversions. Generations have captured this vision that Jesus must reign. Jesus is reigning in Jalisco, Mexico today, and we have had a hand in that. There's an interesting story that I read this week. It was from a man named George Scott Stevenson. He was the one who put together the Methodist Hymn Book of 1883. I know it's one of your favorites. It's certainly one of mine. (laughs) He said that, uh, and what he did is he he did illustrations and biographies of all the hymns within the Methodist Hymn Book. And he had one next to a hymn that is called, Jesus Shall Reign Wherever the Sun. Maybe you heard it if you grew up in a liturgical church. I listened to it, very boring, but the words are great. <laughs> and he shared this story that was just fabulous. He says, there was one moment where this song was sung that, that maybe pales, uh, or, or maybe, maybe eclipses all the others. He says, in 1862, on Pentecost Sunday, King George of the islands of Fiji and Tonga and the surrounding islands was presenting his nation with a new constitution, one where he was giving up much of his power and instilling Christianity as the religion of the South Sea Islands. And they sang the hymn, Jesus Shall Reign Wherever the Sun. That's what they sang that day, Pentecost Sunday, 1862. Stevenson said that Sitting around were thousands of former warriors, heathens, ones with battle scars, vicious cannibals, who now had bent the knee to Jesus Christ. Stevenson puts it this way, and I quote, "...who so much as they could realize the full meaning of the poet's words..." For they had been rescued from the darkness of heathenism and cannibalism and were met that day for the first time under a Christian constitution, under a Christian king, with Christ himself reigning in the hearts of most of those present. That was indeed Christ's kingdom set up on earth. I leave you today with the words of Jesus shall reign wherever the sun, written by the man who wrote Joy to the World, Isaac Watts. It says this, Jesus shall reign wherever the sun does his successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moon shall wax and wane no more. Behold the islands with their kings and Europe her best tribute brings from north and south the princes meet to pay homage at his feet. Their Persia glorious to behold, their India shines in eastern gold and barbarous nations at his word. Submit and bow and own their Lord. People and realms from every tongue dwell on his love with sweetest song and infant voices shall proclaim the earthly early blessings on his name. Blessings abound wherever he reigns. The prisoner leaps to lose his chains. The weary find eternal rest and all the sons of want are blessed. Wherever the reign of Jesus is, is tried, Jesus will become Lord. This is why we do world missions. Because if they can reach the cannibals of the Fiji Islands, if they can reach one of the most drug-depressed areas in the world in Jalisco, Mexico, other areas from the world can be reached for Jesus Christ. And we are to have a part in that. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, there is so much that we could do in this world, so many places we could go, so many opportunities that we could go after. But at the end of the day, Lord, we wish to be directed by you We wish to get on board with what you're doing. And God, I pray a simple prayer today. Simple prayer. Lord, if there are any among us whose hearts have been closed to the nations, whose minds have been turned off to the global church, I pray that you would reopen our hearts, reopen our minds to the fact that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. That world evangelism is not an option. World evangelism is a mandate. Lord, we affirm today that you send your redeemed people into the world just as the Father sent you. Lord, we affirm today that this sending will call for a costly sacrifice on our part. Lord, we pray that we would break out of any church bubble in which we live and that we would continue to join with the church's mission of sacrificial service and evangelism so that we can take the whole gospel to the whole world as you have commanded us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.